Good morning, everybody. Right, life is hard. <laughs> we may go through seasons when things seem to be going okay, but no one is immune to the ups and downs of life. This week, I had a really difficult day on Wednesday. I was really tired, and I woke up. It took me about 20 minutes to get up, went through, made myself a coffee. No milk. <laughs> Sometimes life is really hard. <laughs> but other times we do face bigger problems as well. Sometimes we get to the end of the month and we're wondering how we're going to afford the rest of the week. Sometimes people can face real disasters. People get terrifying diagnoses, bankruptcy, seeing a family member go through suffering. No one's immune. In addition to hard events, everyday life is hard too. How do you respond when someone's rude? How do we make and keep friends? What should we do with our money? And the Bible doesn't pretend that it isn't difficult for people that become Christians, that somehow our faith will protect us from the difficulties that others face. We can be sure that difficulties will arise. So how do we handle these problems? How do we deal with difficult people? How do we deal with difficult emotions? What are we supposed to do? The Bible has a word for someone who is skilled at navigating life. Wise. A wise person is someone who can live life with confidence, despite knowing that difficulties are going to come. So what is wisdom? The biblical concept is rich and deep, but a simple definition would be a, the skill of living. Essentially, it's a practical ability to know what to do and say in different situations, how to see potential problems coming up and make good decisions to avoid them, and for problems that do come up, knowing how to act. It's a skill with application for everyone. The Bible repeatedly advises us to seek wisdom, to become wise ourselves and learn how to live a wise life. So this morning, I'd like to answer two questions. Firstly, what is wisdom? And secondly, how do we become wise? So I'm going to answer these questions by looking at an ancient book of the Bible called Proverbs, which if you've got a Bible, you might want to turn to it just now. Proverbs was written about 3,000 years ago, and it's a collection of sayings. Most of them seem to have been written by a guy called King Solomon, um, but there's a collection from other places as well. And there's two main sections to the book. The first nine chapters are like a prologue to the rest of the book, and that's what I'm going to be focusing on this morning. This part helps us to understand the rest of the book, so if you get the first nine chapters, the rest of Proverbs is going to be much easier to understand. One of the most important things to understand about Proverbs as a whole is it's written in the style of a father speaking to his son. So imagine, if you will, a guy in his 50s taking his son out for a coffee or a beer or whatever and sitting down and saying, son, I want to talk to you about life. I want to give you some good advice to help you through. I've been around for a while, I've seen things and I've learned things and I want to pass this on to you. Now, in this culture, the son at that age might be married, so it mentions marriage there and wife, but the dad is very family. The dad says, oh, remember when me and your mom taught you this when you were young? Keep going, keep going. And it's helpful to keep this in mind as we read the book, because that helps us to understand it. So what does Proverbs say wisdom is? Um, get the first slide, or the slide with the animals up. Um, so we're looking at Proverbs chapter 30, verses 24 to 28. There are four things on earth that are small, but unusually wise. Ants, they aren't strong, but they store up food all summer. 
rock badgers, whatever they are. They aren't powerful, but they make their homes among the rocks. Locusts, they have no king, but they march in formation. Lizards, they are easy to catch, but they are found even in king's palaces. Proverbs is at pains to make a point here. Again, wisdom is skillfully navigating life. God has given these animals a purpose, and they do it really well. Let's look at the ant first of all. Ants are amazing. They have tiny heads and tiny brains. I don't know if you can see it there, but they're not that bright. But they're very, very wise. They recognize the seasons of life. It says they aren't strong, but they store up food all summer. They can see changes coming up ahead, and they make plans. Even though they're not physically strong, they use the strength they have on the right actions, meaning they will be okay in the future. The wise person can learn from them. Are we, are you looking ahead and seeing how your life may go? Are you seeing what season you're in at the moment and what seasons may come in the future? How are you preparing for these? The ant regularly saves up a little in good times. They have something whenever bad times come. The wise person does the same. If we look again at the next animal, the rock badger, This is Lauren's favorite part of the whole preach here. Um, (laughs) These are small little animals. They're little, um, they're probably about this size, if that helps. And um, they live in the hills around the Middle East, but apparently are notoriously uh, difficult to catch. I don't know who tried. Um, They live in community, and they live in these little holes among the rocks. But what makes them special is, as a community, they take it in turns to watch out. So they've got sentries that sit up on the high rocks and look out for predators whilst the others are feeding. And then if they see something, they let out a cry, and then all these other rock badgers run to safety. They've got a great community, and they look out for each other. Again, the wise can learn from them. Who do you have looking over your life to sound the alarm when danger comes? And who are you doing that for? And it's about looking out for each other, finding and keeping friends who will do that for you. Next, we look at the locusts. Again, these are small and seemingly insignificant. But locusts, without having a leader, are experts at working in strong teams, millions and millions in number. United with a common goal, they can devastate whole areas. And again, the wise can learn from them. It's tempting for us to think, I'm stronger on my own. I'm better, I can do things myself, especially in our culture. But with many working together, our strength can be magnified. Are you working with people to bring about God's kingdom? Or are you determined to get glory for yourself? The wise can look at these things. They can look at these proverbs and they learn from it. The important thing here is that wisdom is very different from intelligence. None of these animals are particularly clever. Our city and our culture prizes intellectual ability. And it's easy for us to assume that intelligent equals wise. I went to a talk once from a professor who'd done amazingly well in his career. He had researched and discovered new areas. He'd made huge amounts of money through this. He was very successful, and everyone was talking about how great he was. And I started to get a wee bit, ooh, a bit jealous inside. And I was like, oh, I wish I was like that. And then I spoke to one of my friends later on, and he was like, well, yeah, but have you heard about his family life? In pursuing this career, his marriage had fallen apart. He never saw his children. Whilst he was very intelligent, that wasn't very wise. So you may feel that you're you're someone who isn't very intelligent or struggles to understand things, but the Bible is saying to you that you can be wiser than the most intelligent people in the world. Equally, you might be very intelligent and understand concepts easily. The Bible says as well, you can be very foolish, and we need to be careful. God loves to give wisdom to those who ask. So the benefits of wisdom. Proverbs makes a real effort to sell wisdom to us. 
Now, the important thing, another important thing to know about Proverbs is when it says something, it's not, not normally a promise per se. So there are parts of the Bible where it says, for example, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So you read that, you say, that's a promise, I can claim that now. Proverbs is a bit different. It says things that are generally true. So what it's saying is, if you follow this advice, in general, this is what will happen. It's wise advice, but it's not a promise from God. However, they are generally true. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 10, it says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. Wisdom teaches us to be trustworthy with what God gives us. People who are trustworthy in doing good with their wealth, with their time, with whatever God gives them, God often trusts them with more so that they can do more good with it. This is a great urging to generosity. As Mike was telling us last week, God wants us to be a generous people who give out. And a wise person is generous, whether with their time or with their money. Equally, do you you maybe worry about money and then tend to hold back and be mean? The Bible is saying here actually security is found in generosity and being kind and being generous to others. Later on, it says in Proverbs chapter 4, verses 21 to 24, My child, don't lose sight of common sense and discernment. Hang on to them, for they will refresh your soul. They are like jewels on a necklace. They will keep you safe on your way, and your feet will not stumble. You can go to bed without fear. You will lie down and sleep soundly. You you need not be afraid of sudden disaster or the destruction that comes on the wicked, for the Lord is your security. He will keep your foot from being caught in the trap. When we pursue wisdom and try and live as God asks us to, then we are showing through our actions that our faith is completely in God. We are trusting him. We are following him. We are doing what he asks of us. And God says then, when we do this, that he is our security. We are trusting him for everything, so then he looks after us. Those who go their own way can forfeit this protection that God offers. And so those who are giving their life over to God, you can relax, you can be free from worry, you can be free from anxiety, not worrying about tomorrow, for we know we have a trusting God to help us. We are trusting God to help us. Another thing wisdom helps us is safety from bad choices. Wisdom will save you from evil people, from those whose words are twisted. Wisdom will save you from the immoral woman, from the seductive words of the promiscuous woman. Entering her house leads to death, It is the road to the grave. So again, remember what I said earlier, this is a father sitting with his son, giving him some sage advice. This is why it's talking about women here, because he's talking to the son. The same works in reverse. So the Bible is saying here that there are tempting messages everywhere. Certain people, certain films, certain magazines, certain places are unhelpful for us. Whilst we shouldn't totally shut ourselves off, being wise means not engaging with stuff that we know is unhelpful for us. We don't, the Bible doesn't want us, God doesn't want us to shipwreck our lives. Pursuing wisdom helps us to avoid this. Next, the wisdom helps us to become satisfied with life. My child, never forget the things I have taught you. Store my commands in your heart. If you do this, you will live many years and your life will be satisfying. Satisfaction, the word here is the peace of God, is of great worth. <laughs> no anxiety, no frantic worrying. And it's saying here that the people who memorize and frequently think about what wisdom says are said to develop this peace. 
Many years ago, I um, went to a different church and um, there was a prayer meeting that they had every Tuesday evening. And I'd get along when I could. And normally I was the youngest person there by about 60 years. Um, lots and lots of really old people. And most of them were really amazing. Um, I remember one lady in particular, Mrs. Jameson. She, she, was, she was old and she had a lot of physical problems. Her eyesight had almost totally gone. So she had to walk with a cane and have people help her. She had really bad mobility problems. She was in pain all the time. And yet, this was a lady who was filled with great joy and great peace. When she prayed, you could just feel the love and the joy that she had inside her flowing out. She had many long years of obedience, many long years of seeking after wisdom. And this was the fruit that had developed in her life. Isn't that what you want for your life too? And lastly, the bit I'm going to look at here is happiness. Wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will fill you with joy. Joyful is a person who finds wisdom, the one who gains understanding. For wisdom is more profitable than silver and her wages are better than gold. Wisdom is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. She offers you long life in her right hand and riches and honor in her left. She will guide you down delightful paths. All her ways are satisfying. Wisdom is a tree of life to those who embrace her. Happy are those who hold her tightly. <laughs> Nothing you desire can compare with wisdom. And there are many things that we can desire and think about which are, which are good. We can think about our career, and how can I build that? That's, that's a good thing. We can think about our health, how can I make sure my health is good? Again, a good thing. We can think about our family, how can I love and serve them well? We can think about finances, how can I use this wisely? They're all good things. But none of these are as good as wisdom. And if there's anything you desire more than wisdom, it can draw you away from this satisfaction in life which is held out. It says here that um, wisdom is a tree of life. This alludes back to the story in Genesis of Eden, where there's a, a tree there that those who eat it um, receive immortality. She communicates life and its manifold fullness, it says in an old commentary, and richness to those who seize her firmly. Life and its manifold fullness. If you feel life is dull or empty, pursue wisdom. And these are just a few of the benefits that Proverbs talks about. So, Proverbs is saying that wisdom is great, and so we're encouraged to become wise. But how do we become wise? So, Proverbs talks and uses a rich metaphor of the path of life. The path is a great picture for life, because there's three things to think about on it. If you're on a path, there's a starting point. So that's where you are now. And obviously there's lots of choices and decisions and things that have happened to you in the past, but this is where you are now. And you've got a destination ahead, somewhere you're heading for, something you're aiming for, and you're moving on. And there are key transitional points. There's times when you come up to a fork in the road and you have to make a choice to go this way or this way. There are little offshoots that come up. And each of us has moments when we choose what path to take. The father, speaking to his son, has some advice. Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. So this son, he's a young man, and he's at an early point in his life, and he's strongly advised to stay on the safe, wise path. And in many ways, the son actually knows what the right path is in his heart, and the, and the father is bringing this out and reminding him. There are other paths, though. Wisdom will save you from evil people, from those whose words are twisted. 
These men turn from the right way to walk down dark paths. They take pleasure in doing wrong and they enjoy the twisted ways of evil. Their actions are crooked and their ways are wrong. There are paths that, dis that deviate from the wise road and these are different for different people. Some people are tempted by things like stealing or violence, like it says in the verse there, but others are tempted by different things, laziness, greed, sexual sin, anger, gossip, variety of other ways of life. There are many dangers on these paths. Now, none of us as Christians are able to live a life completely free of sin, but it's, a, it's, it's more of giving yourself over to it, of indulging in it, of regularly seeking after it. The son is urged by the father to stay on the right path. If at any point in our, in our path, Whenever we're walking along this path, we're always near options. There's always offshoots. There's always roads off that are tempting us. And no matter how long you've been walking along your Christian life, those paths don't disappear. There's always temptation that comes up. There's always um, opportunities. Jesus was tempted as well. The promises and pleasures of wisdom are for those who stay on the path to life. Stay on the path. So the son walking along the path meets some different characters who we're going to look at now. And these are talked about in the first few verses of Proverbs. So Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 to 7. These are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. Their purpose is to teach wisdom and discipline, to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them do what is right, just, and fair. These Proverbs will give insight to the simple, knowledge and discernment to the young. Let the wise listen to these Proverbs and become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance by exploring the meaning in these proverbs and parables, the words of the wise and the riddle, and their riddles. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. So there's three groups of people here who Proverbs is talking about. Firstly, there are the simple, which isn't the most kind way of describing people, but it's the one it goes for. They're also referred to as the young. Now, these are people who are neither wise or foolish, but they're at an early stage and they're kind of deciding which way am I going to go? What, what way am I going to live? They're kind of uninformed, immature. Now, these, these people, they can do stupid things. We see later on that um, Proverbs will, mock, will, will lump them with people called mockers and fools. But there's a key difference between people who are simple or immature and people who have kind of decided that they're not following God. And that difference is teachability. People who are willing to listen to correction and seek after more wisdom are, to are talked as, as being in quite a good position. It says, fools despise wisdom and discipline, but the simple-minded would listen. Proverbs wants to help people who are at this stage in their life to develop and stay on the right path. And for all of us, no matter how long you've been a Christian, we're still walking along. There's still areas where we are needing to learn and needing to hear. It can be hard to hear when we're wrong, though. But if we don't listen, we will never be wise. So then the other group it talks about are the wise. So these are also known as the mature. So these people can also benefit from the book of Proverbs. They become wiser. They become able to interpret the Proverbs. And if you've been a Christian for a number of years, you're probably a lot more mature now than you were when you first became a Christian. But it's important not to lose your hunger to learn and your willingness to be taught. All God's people no matter whether they've just become a Christian or been following Jesus for 50 years, need to continue to learn and listen. One group, though, is excluded, or rather, they exclude themselves. The fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. The Bible is clear. There's no wisdom without God. 
the wise must be open to God's foundational role in the world and in their lives. It says in Psalm 14, verse 1, only fools say in their heart that there is no God. The fool cannot participate in wisdom because they cut themselves off from the wise one, God himself. The first step to become wise, then, is to accept God is the one who is all-wise and the one who gives wisdom. So if you're not a Christian this morning, this is, this is where you're at. This is what God is speaking to you about this morning. You're invited to come to him and learn to be wise, to share in all the benefits we talked about earlier, and to avoid the dreadful outcomes for those who walk on the dark paths that can lead to death. It's also for Christians as well. We can say that we trust God, but actually we never speak to him, we never ask him for direction, and we live our lives as if we didn't really believe there was God. Are we praying and asking, or do we just do what we want? James chapter 1 verse 5 says, If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. So right now in your heart you can do this. You can say, God, I've been walking on wrong paths, and I want to come back onto the path of life. Please give me wisdom, life, satisfaction, and joy. So walking along this path, the young man has met many people. He's met some people who are wise and mature and are helping him in his journey. He's met some people who are foolish and they've decided they will not listen to God and they've rejected him. And he's met some other people like him who are immature, do silly things, but they're open to be taught. But now finally we look at two different characters. As he is walking, he hears the voices of two women calling out to him. Woman wisdom and woman folly. So the young man, he's tired and he's hungry, and both these women are calling out to him, and they're offering him food, shelter, and company. Let's read Proverbs 9. Wisdom has built her house. She has carved its seven columns. She has prepared a great banquet, mixed the wines, and set the table. She has sent her servants to invite everyone to come. She calls out from the heights overlooking the city. Come in with me, she urges the simple. To those who lack good judgment, she says, come, eat my food and drink the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways behind and begin to live. Learn to use good judgment. Wisdom will multiply your days and add years to your life. The woman named Folly is brash. She is ignorant and doesn't know it. She sits in her doorway on the heights overlooking the city. She calls out to men going by who are minding their own business. Come in with me, she urges the simple. To those who lack good judgment, she says, stolen water is refreshing. Food eaten in secret tastes the best, but little do they know that the dead are in there. Her guests are in the depth of the grave. So the young man has had an invitation to come and dine with one of these women, to enter into a relationship with one of these women. And actually, we daily face the same choice. Are we going to seek a relationship with this woman, wisdom? Or are we going to seek a relationship with this woman, folly? We need to know what they're like, though, before we make our decision. I went out for dinner with a friend a couple of months ago, and whilst we were chatting, he mentioned that he started going out with somebody. So I was like, oh, right, okay, I want to know all the gossip, tell me everything. And so he was like, well, you know, yeah, she's nice, and she's got brown hair. Oh, and I know her from work. I was like, that's rubbish. That's not what someone's like. I want to know, how do they think? What are they like? What's her character like? Who are her friends? These are the sort of things we want to know. Let's find out what these women are like. Woman wisdom is described as bold. She goes out to people who are simple, who are in the public places, inviting people to come to know her. She's not afraid of strangers. 
It says later that she has many good friends, righteousness, truth, wholesome behavior, good judgment, common sense, success, insight, strength. She, she hangs around with good people. With her comes good things. She keeps away from deception, pride, and arrogance. Women folly, though, less is said about her. She set up her meal as well, and it looks attractive, but really she manipulates people to do what she wants. She offers people illicit pleasures, things that they know are wrong, but she whispers to them, oh, it'll be fine, it'll be fine, this is good, you'll enjoy it. But actually following her, being deceived by her, results in a loss of the joy that we've seen. And so both these women are speaking to the same group, these young people who are on the path of life, Wisdom supports the message of the father. Folly tries to undermine it. The father repeatedly says that woman is desirable. And these men are at a critical moment of decision. What are they going to do? And even though some of them are showing resistance, woman wisdom still comes to them and tries to convince them to come and um, enter into relationship with her. In that ancient culture, eating with someone was much more than just sharing food. Inviting someone into your house meant that you desired a close, intimate relationship. This man is being invited by two women into their house to have an intimate relationship with them. Which one will he pick? The crucial thing to know is that these women represent something else or someone else. It says that woman wisdom lives in the heights overlooking the city. And in Jerusalem, that was the temple. Who lived in the temple? God himself. Through this and other, and other places, it's made clear that woman wisdom is God himself. God calling people to him, calling people to have, an, uh, to have a deep and intimate relationship with him. It's a picture of God. So we're familiar with other pictures like a shepherd or a king or a father. This is another picture for God, a woman crying out, begging people to come and learn to be wise. Woman folly, on the other hand, doesn't live in the heights, but it says that she lives at the doorposts. Now, in ancient, in ancient Israel, if you were a pagan, you would have your, your gods at the, at the doorposts whenever you enter in. So, woman folly represents these false gods, or rather, the devil himself, Satan. Israel, through its history, went through many hard times, and at these times, it would often turn away from God and fall into, the, into worshiping these false idols. And Proverbs is at pains to say, whenever you're going through a tough time, do not turn away from God. Do not turn away from him. That is when you need him most. But that is also when woman folly shouts the loudest to us, and we have to be aware of what she's doing. It's a really good book if you want to learn more about Proverbs, called How to Read Proverbs, by a guy called Tremper Longman III, which I think must be one of the best names in the whole of literature. He says, to further understand this rich image, we need to consider more closely the ancient Near Eastern notion that to dine with someone is to enter into a deep and intimate relationship with that person. Indeed, the fact that it is a woman inviting a man to dinner resonates with sensual overtones. With which woman will this young man enter into a deep, intimate relationship? Proverbs make cl makes clear that this decision is a matter of life or death. And so, the hope is that the person listening to this will choose to enter into a relationship with woman wisdom. If you're a Christian here this morning, you've decided to do that already. You've decided to enter into a relationship with God himself, and he is calling you to learn to be wise, to learn to navigate life well. 
However, we still hear the voice of woman folly calling out to us, and we have to be aware, we have to keep on fighting. If you are fighting temptation at the moment, you are sticking hard to woman wisdom, and you're fighting off woman folly. Keep going. If you are enjoying God, if you're loving him, you are still moving into relationship with woman wisdom. Keep going. So, how to pursue wisdom further? Now that you understand these, these things about Proverbs, the rest of Proverbs should make a lot more sense. The rest of the book is a, is a series of sayings and Proverbs. And a proverb, we all know things like a stitch in time saves nine and things like that. They say a deep truth in a short, concise way. Now, in the translation, we often miss a bit of the poetry and things, but you have to read them quite slowly, and you have to really try and work out exactly what it's saying and how it applies. We also have the rest of the Bible. Whenever we read the Bible, woman wisdom, God himself, talks to us through every page. Keep reading at the Bible. Don't give up. We can also pray to God and ask for wisdom. As we've seen, God is very willing to help us. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking, it says in James 1 verse 5. Why don't you think of the week coming up ahead? What events have you got coming up? Have you spoken to God about these? Ask him for wisdom in these settings. And then also, you can receive wisdom through teaching. Now there's preaching at church. Now you're not often going to hear a preach as good as this one, but there are other ones out there. Um, There's great books and podcasts you can listen to. So feed yourself and learn to be wiser. The important thing here is be teachable. Don't assume you know it all. Be open to learn more from God. So let's look, at, let's look back at what we've seen. Wisdom is a skill of living life well. It's not just intelligence. And there are great benefits from wisdom. Provision, safety, satisfaction, happiness. And really at base, there's three types of people. Simple people who are learning but are teachable. Wise people who have been pursuing God and learning what he's like and learning to live his way. And foolish people who have rejected God. For those who are walking the path of life, the key determinant is, de- is teachability. And we all hear two voices calling out to us. Woman wisdom, God, inviting us into a deep relationship with him, into knowing how to live wise lives. And we hear woman folly, Satan, tempting us to get off the path. So as we see, we need to put ourselves into the sandals of this young man in ancient Israel walking along the path of life. He hears these alluring, attractive voices, and they're both inviting him in to have a meal with him, which, as we've seen, is really a code for an invitation to a deep relationship. Can you feel the pull inside you? Can you hear these voices speaking to you today? You might be hearing the voice of woman folly loudly this morning. She might be calling out to you, offering great rewards and great happiness. What she offers will be different for each of us. For some, it may be status. For others, money or power or different pleasures which God has set off limits. There are many forms that she takes. The counsel from Proverbs this morning is simple. If you've been taken in by our lies, run. If you've been entered into our house, run. You need to get out of there. Look around you. The guests that were there before you are dead. They're no longer. Instead, seek after woman wisdom who is calling out to you to come to her. She offers long life, riches and honour, satisfaction and happiness. You're invited. So I'm going to ask the band to come up and we're just going to sing. And here, I think there's an invitation for all of us to recommit to seek after God, to recommit to seek after wisdom.
to live in a deep relationship with God and enjoy the blessings that he gives. I'm going to leave the last words to woman wisdom herself. And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise and do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord.